0: Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. What drives you is brought to you by Zigler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Yeah. Welcome, Driven Community, and thanks for joining this conversation. We all want to live a driven, inspired, and peaceful life, and together we're learning to drive further and enjoy the ride. This is What Drives You, and I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, I'm wrapping up our series on misbelief. This is the big idea, the big takeaway, and the big action, where I distill it all down to what most stood out to me. What I see are the fundamental, uh, the foundations of this issue so we can better understand, embrace, and take action on how to better serve ourselves and humanity with our beliefs, or as you'll soon hear, our letting go, I think, of beliefs as we tend to understand them in our culture. So our catalyst again has been Duke University professor of psychology and behavioral economics, Dan Ariely. And the message from his Recent book, new book, Misbelief What Makes Rational People Believe Irrational Things. Most of you are aware that my father had a surprise cancer diagnosis recently. Six weeks later, he took his last breath here on earth. This has shaken me in beneficial ways, I think, on various fronts. I find myself questioning my, you know, quote, beliefs regarding spirituality, money health and wellness, and relationships. You'll hear more from me on this in coming episodes. And for those of you more and more watching this on YouTube, you see me in his studio. This will be my last recording in the studio. I'm actually headed back home now, but uh, it, it goes further to showcase, this incident has gone further to showcase to me how we limit ourselves, how I have limited myself and actually caused harm to myself and others by wrapping up concepts into beliefs. So that's our show today. Let me explain. I often strive to bring these episodes, the big idea, takeaway and action into an outline and give some bullet points of structure. And the concept there is appealing because it helps us to, again, structure information. Admittedly, however, in this case, I'm not going to do that in order to leave room for some candid and organic thoughts as I think through some of this concept on beliefs with you. And I realize that we as humans, me, maybe in particular, it would seem I often want this tangible structure that I can take and go forward with. And I want it sometimes with concepts that just don't lend themselves to being confined to much of a box. So with that said, here we go. Looking at beliefs again, as a culture, these are the things that we tend to when we speak to it, it's in our vernacular. That things that we agree to, agree with, and accept as truth, and we hold on to as fact. And I'll be saying in a, in a minute, this is not to throw everything out. I'm not one of those people that says anything goes, everything's okay. I don't believe that. Um, but with beliefs, we tend to hold on to them as facts, and we're not usually if we ha- when we have it when we say it in this way, it, it's like uh, at the end of episode three we talked about and it's the last chapter of my book about our feelings internally our mindset when we say man I have to go I need to do this and it's a victim mentality you can hear it in our voice as opposed to saying hey I want to do this I I want to do this today I could say oh I have to record this episode and yet in a little bit I'm going to say I man I want to go see the sunset over the ocean before I leave you could hear the difference well, I want to reframe, I want to frame everything into I want, I'm choosing to, I get to, I'm going to, as opposed to I have to, I need to. Same thing with beliefs. When we say something, oh, that's a belief. That's a solid. That's a fact. We're often not open or opening the topic up for discussion and dissection of it. We're not honestly open to considering another's point of view on our beliefs or taking the effort to consider their quote, beliefs again, being black and white in our beliefs is actually, again, culturally, it's a hallmark of devoutness. And I'd say culturally, I'd say globally, you have these things that you as a culture, as a group, whatever you believe and you do not question them. You do, they're not open. And from a religious standpoint, I grew up with some of those aspects being even the thought of opening them up for discussion was blasphemous. They are Fact. And we do that, religion's got to be top of the list, I think, but politics, the environment, human rights, issues like abortion and gender, people are generally, they have a solid belief that they have decided is fact. They believe it's fact. They think it's as clear as gravity and it's just not. And I hope I can do justice to that. And again, it's not to, I'm going to keep saying this, it's not to throw some throw everything out and say there are No goods or bads or rights or wrongs. I mean, I think that there are. I think there are very few. And ultimately, I want to cash the things that I think are good under, this is what I feel is good. This is what I see testimony to. And this is what I'm going to go forward having faith on. But I'm going to leave the proof, the fact, the black and white, especially the right or wrong, and therefore the judgment around it. I find those who are critics of, I want to polarize a couple of things. Those who are critics of cultural norms and things like, let's say, religion, the people who are critics of, let's say, star, stalwart you know, religious people, they're often as narrow-minded and judgmental. It's so interesting. We take those th- things, those groups, those entities, those people who we think are being led astray with their beliefs and they're so narrow-minded and they're so um, you know, wrong. And we say that, we think that they're wrong. And I find the people on the other side are just as judgmental. So if you're for the environment and you're upset about the people who you think are causing global warming, the corporations, people, whatever, you are venomous towards them. Well, you're upset with them for doing exactly what you feel that they are doing to you. It's incredibly... A lot of hypocrisy is what I find. I find that most critics of religion, uh, for instance, especially to pick on that one, they hate the religious. My gosh, they're they're hating on the religious because they have found the religious to. F- they feel like they have the religious have been hating on other people, been marginalizing other people, have been judging other people, and they come forward and do the same thing. And I know that's pithy to say. I'm not the first one, but oh my gosh, it's just so apparent. I feel. They'll call them names and label them the same things that they're upset at them doing to others. They're as close minded, maybe worse, because they think they're open minded. That's what I'm I'm cautious about. When we think that we are open minded, uh, we often I think can be even more closed minded, more dangerous with our closed mindedness. You know, I find very few people in politics that are truly open to the views of the other side. I mean, if a Republican is talking to a Democrat, Any perspective the Democrat shares is shut down simply because they're claiming the label of a Democrat and we are just not helping ourselves or the culture or any of the issues that we care about with that is my belief, (laughs) my belief. There we go. It is my, my faith as I am deciding, uh, to believe or to, to, to choose that it is not helping us Uh, again. It's so hard to, to not use that word belief. I need to censor it out just like I would uh, a cuss word. You know, at the core of this, I find the innate desire to belong. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, that is precious. Uh, that is survival that we want to belong. We want to belong. We want to understand who we are. I mean, we're creating ourselves through what we perceive and understand of the world. It's our persona and our brand, and those include so much of our, quote, beliefs, like religion. I'm Christian, or I'm Muslim, or I'm agnostic, or I'm atheist. It's a label we give ourselves. I'm Democratic, or Republican, or communist, or independent, or I shun politics. Very black and white, usually. I'm vegetarian, or I'm carnivore. You know, we're either going to say, if you eat bacon, you're going to hell, Or I love bacon. We don't leave a lot of room for the middle ground. We love to proclaim our beliefs instead of claim them as these are preferences. These are values. These are opinions. This is the best I've figured out so far. Judging by what I've seen and I've experienced with myself, with my others, man, I feel like this is a better road to health. This value is beneficial. And so I am going to choose it and go forward and take action upon that. Until I find and until or unless I find something different. There's such a desire for certainty. And I'm owning this. I, I maybe I have been even more desiring a certainty than others. I want to know what's best so I can just get up and I can do it, and not have to think about it. And I can benefit from it. And I'm not doing it just for ego. I, I want to benefit from it. I want to know what the best diet is and 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 follow that. We want to be certain, uh, and we want to decide in a belief because it's safe. It protects us. Again, this goes back to you know, survival mode and it's efficient. We talked about that in episode three. It's efficient to just have my beliefs. I get up on the, in the morning, swing my legs over the side, and I don't want to have to think about whether I'm going to step on something sharp or poisonous or fragile or whatever. I just you know, yesterday, the, there was a floor and I'm going to step on that with a what? With a belief? Well, it's really a faith. Something could have happened in the night and there's something different. No matter where you are, there could there's a possibility, maybe it's very remote, that there's a snake there, a scorpion, a Lego, You know, but we generally just swing our feet out and we want to have that because it's safe. I don't want to have to think about stepping out of bed in the morning. And so I swing my feet out. I want to walk in and I want to know there's my toothbrush, there's my toothpaste. I don't want to think about it. I'm thinking about other things. So again, it's, it's, it's good to have those. We want to be efficient. I don't want to have to think about it every morning in general, because I have other things I want to deal with. But with our, quote, beliefs on these grand values of life, it seems evidence to me points to it is not helping us. It is harming us, especially our relationships, and even our own entrapment of ourselves. I have taken so many of my beliefs, even the ones that are just for me around health and wellness sometimes. And I have imprisoned myself because I think, well, once I find that good thing, quote, good thing, I should do it every single day. And I trap myself in that and don't give myself the opportunity. And man, gosh, there have been so many things. I'll tell you that in my health and wellness journey that I've held on to, uh, and I didn't even know I was holding on so tightly. When I finally opened myself, I find something better. That served me better. I remember the first time somebody talked to me about gluten. I mean, many years ago, uh, about gluten and about bread not being good for us. I literally had no zero consideration and thought, you're an idiot. Bread, come on, dude. That's like biblical bread, the bread of life. I mean, talk, and, and, and I had no consideration. So I kept eating bread and suffering from it. Until it finally dawned on me that, okay, I, I, was, I took it to a, to a, an errant place of history. Because in truth, today, most bread seems to be, from what we find, made from sources that are not the same as back in biblical times or even 100 years ago or 50 years ago. It's now made from modified ingredients that lack nutrients and it's just not the same bread that we have. Can you make bread that is uh, healthier, that is of biblical lives. I guess it's possible globally. It's hard here in America, at least. And I struggle to find that. Uh, and so, again, I just from a belief I had, I shut it down and I hurt myself, hurt my family. I wish I'd have known back then and gone, oh, maybe we shouldn't be eating so much bread, guys. But that certainty, that desire for certainty, it supports us. It makes us feel more confident and we want to have that. I think that sometimes, again, if you look at your beliefs, Quote beliefs. I keep doing, you know, the 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 quotes in the air for those watching. Um, if we look at those, we we desperately want to feel secure and confident, and not have to think about this stuff, and to know who we are and to know what we're about. Man, I get that. I'm not devaluing that, but I'm absolutely bringing it into question. So I'm going to again go back into this concept of misbelief, the misbelief that Dan uh, Ariely talked about. He said, it's a distorted lens through which people begin to view the world, reason about the world and describe the world to others. And the thing that sticks out to me as I revisit that again, is we all have a distorted lens. We can't have a non-distorted lens. It's at least at the best, it's an unclear lens or it is a narrow lens because we just can't experience everything. Uh, You may have heard, this is an old, old tale, who knows if it's true, but the concept you'll get of the, uh, the woman who cut the edge, the end off the ham. Okay. So this is some story you can go read about it somewhere, but the paraphrasing is every you know Thanksgiving mom would take a ham, buy a ham from the thing, and she would cut the, 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 the small end off of it every year. And finally, one of the kids asked her as she cut the hand off, the, the, the end off the ham and put it in the, in the container or in the pan. And, she, and they said, why did you do that? Why do you do that? And she says, I don't know. My mom always did that. And so I said, well, went to grandma. Grandma, why do you cut the end off the ham? She said, I don't know. My, my mom did that. So they went to great grandma. Why'd you cut the end off the ham? She said, because my pan was too small it's such a great depiction of some of the stuff that we do that we don't really consider why we're doing it. It's a belief that was handed down and often there was a reason for it. And it could have been something else. It could have been, you know, so something that grandma, great grandma heard somebody say that the end of the ham was evil. I mean, who knows the stuff that we come up with that we create our beliefs around. Again, I, I'm going to continue to reference my own religious background. And there are so many things that we, formed our beliefs around out of mankind's translations. Regardless of what you think about the Bible, we have to look at it, and read it and 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 dis- and we translate what it means. And so you have one person and they translate it this way and that's religion number 1, Presbyterian. And you have somebody else who reads it and they translate it this way, that's Baptist. And then you got another one they translate it this way and that's uh, Episcopalian, you know, whatever you go down the line and it's amazing. And we all go to these different and They do things a little different because they translated them a different way. And yet we all want to say that what we, the way we translate it is truth. And I'm tired of that. I want the next pastor to say, Hey, you know what? I have chosen to, uh, put faith in the translation that has this perspective because it seems true. It seems right. It seems good to me. It lines up with everything that I figured out thus far. Man, I would respect somebody so much more if they would do that as opposed to saying this is the truth. But we all have a distorted or narrow or limited or cloudy lens. Nobody knows it all. Nobody has experienced it all. And yet we want to make our beliefs around this. And there's so few things that are absolute truth, absolute fact. I still think there are some, I'll mention that in a second. But most of us, we have, if we would just accept that and say, gosh, to the best that I can see it so far, Nobody has experienced it all. And yet we want to make our beliefs around this. And there's so few things that are absolute truth, absolute fact. I still think there are some, I'll mention that in a second, but most of us, we have, if we would just accept that and say, gosh, to the best that I can see it so far. You know, I wish that there were pillars for the human diet. So I hit my friend, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert, So often I used to more so about, okay, what are the pillars though? I know that everybody's health is individual to them and it's very unique. And we all have so many different factors, but just give me the, give me the bottom line, right? We should drink how much water we should eat, how many vegetables we should eat this much meat or not. We should, uh, we should have these kind of, these nutritional supplements, you know, hundred, just give me the, the ones that are, that are right for everyone. And he's always pushed back on that. So this is interesting. So I'm here in Florida and I'm with my brother and sister, my sister and her husband and their three girls are here. And one of their uh, girls, Clara, she's 16 and she is uh, into, shoot, I can't remember the name, but the study, the study of animals, but a certain type, uh, herpetology. Okay. And, but she knows a lot about animals. So I, I asked her today, I said, you know, about how many birds are there? And she actually looked it up It's apparently it's like nine to 10,000 birds. But so here out of all the animals on planet earth, there's, there's nine, nine to 10,000. Uh, well, there's, there's birds. I don't know how many birds are as a, you know, it's a billion birds, but out of those birds, there's nine to 10 different types, like classifications of birds, but they're all birds. So when you look at that, again, I want to take all the birds and say, okay, whatever. I don't care how many different types. So they're all birds, right? They got feathers or beaks or whatever it is, it makes a bird, a bird, right? Okay. So what's the best thing to feed a bird? Well, she looked that up too. And out of birds. So one person has a bird, somebody else on the other side of the planet has a bird. What's the best thing to feed him? She came up with there's 12 different primary diet types for birds. And so if you have a bird and you want to know what's best to feed it, we got to figure out what bird it is And then which of these 12 categories it fits in to figure out what's best to feed it. Well, that's what I keep hearing from Randy and other folks on diet. We want to figure out what the best diet is. Well, my diet is, I'm a human, but I'm, how many different types of human? How many different races do we have? How many different cultures do we have? How many different climates do we have? How many different types of fruits and vegetables you go to, if you, if you haven't traveled the world, I mean, you can travel just the, the country you're in and find different types of fruits and vegetables. In those areas, even more so when you go to a different country, you'll find fruits and vegetables don't even exist here. And they'll find fruits and vegetables here that don't exist there. So how could we tell the same person? And they've been eating that way for generations. I mean, if you look at the uh, the Inuits, uh, uh, Eskimos, and they have had a high diet historically of, I, th- I think it's, I can't remember what it's called, but it would be a whale blubber. Well, I've never eaten whale blubber. And yet they find that they have some benefit of that. So for me to take in, let's say I adopt an Inuit kid and say, okay, I'm going to feed you what we feed, what we eat, because we eat what is best. Well, it's not for them. I mean, that's one of those depictions of we want to have a belief of what is best. Generally, I think the best we can do is find a belief, a faith around what is best for us. And maybe that maybe we can help spread that. We again, we all want to take cash from in the personal development world, right? Uh, the self help world, and we want to take what works quote works. I'm going to say quote works quote a belief uh, that has that we have seen benefit from and share that with everybody. Man, that's sweet. That's heartwarming. That's good to want to help somebody else. And yet, I have done that myself and tried to help somebody in a way that helped me. It did not help them. It was not relevant for them. I did that with self-employment. I held that up as a holy grail. And it wasn't even the point. I wanted people to work at something they loved, like my dad's book, 48 Days of the Work You Love. I wanted them to work at something they love, but I wanted them to work at something that they could be free to create. They could have time flexibility and they could have all these things that I wrapped around entrepreneurship. But at the core of it is I want them to enjoy their day and be fulfilled. And if you can do that in a nine to five job, that it has confines and structure and you can find great joy and fulfillment. That's the point. If you come home a happy, fulfilled person, that's the point. It doesn't really matter how you do that. If you can do that in this job or that job or with this business or that opportunity, knock yourself out. Yet I held it up because I experienced it only through self-employment because of my particular makeup. And I held self-employment up as the quote, again, belief. And I led some people astray. And, and I could, you know, th- there could be, I think a lot of people, have, if they're not leading other people astray, they're leading themselves astray because they've grasped on and go, oh gosh, the only way to wealth, health, wealth, and happiness is to be an entrepreneur. It's just not. It's just not. You, you can read stats about the majority of, you know, wealthy people or people at this income echelon are business owners. And that may be. So it, it doesn't mean it's the only way. doesn't mean it's the best. It's the way for you right? So how can we take a belief and broad brush it across the board of all humanity? I think we are doing ourselves a disservice and others often. If we look at meat as an example, that's one we talked about in episode three. It's a big one in my family because I have a big family. I was vegan. My wife and I were when we first married, then vegetarian for almost all of our lives. And the past year or two, we've allowed ourselves here and there to have some meat, I'm about to go back off again. I'm not even going to explain why. Um, some of that is I, I don't even enjoy meat a whole lot outside of fish. I really don't. I could care less if I had never ate a piece of meat. And I have friends who are exactly the opposite. And, you know, there we get in right there uh, as a preference. It's just a preference, you know, but look at that, you know, is, is is it better to have meat or no meat? We had Dr. Gabrielle Lyon on the show not long ago. She's a very big proponent of protein and getting it through meat And she has her research and she was very vocal. She is very vocal on that. And I didn't argue that that wasn't the point of the show. The point was looking at the benefit of muscle for aging and for our health and wellness, not not meat necessarily. We could do a show on that, but that wasn't the point of that show. But let's say that we looked at meat and said, you know what? When we do the research, it looks like the human body is best served overall uh, to have X amount of meat. And yet I can find somebody over here who will argue that, okay, even if they were able to accept that, they would say, okay, maybe so, but it is harming our planet the way it's produced. Maybe it is. But then I know some other people, I think Dr. Mark Hyman as one who has, I've heard some arguments from him. And I think I did Dr. Gabriel Lyon as well, uh, where they're saying, well, it, it is the way that it's done now, but if it was done correctly, grass fed, grass finished, all that kind of stuff, it would actually help the planet. That may be so. Now, on the other side, then they're going to say, yeah, but we're not going to do it that way overall. Maybe a few people will, but by far and large, we aren't. So we just need to get rid of meat. And you see it go back and forth about the reasoning. And we want to come to a black and white belief. And at the end of it, I've got some kids specifically who are going to say, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to eat meat because I don't want to kill an animal myself or eat a dead animal. It just seems yucky to me. Okay. Take that out of a belief, it's a personal preference. And then you know, to go further, if you want to have a faith around that you actually think it is not best for your body, uh, there's too many people I respect on both sides. I've had people on this show who have make a very strong case for meat no, for, for, for eating meat and for not eating meat. It's very I feel I, I find it very difficult to see which one beat out beats out the other. And I tend to look at it and think, well, you know, again, one, we got different people with different makeups and then we've got the environment to consider. If you are concerned about animal welfare, you can consider that. And ultimately to put that together and go, you know what, the best that I can figure out with my personal preferences and my personal values, I have decided to do X, to put faith in X or even just to do X. I'm just going to do X. I don't even know if I have faith in it. I'm just, that's just what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to eat. It's what works for me that's great. You're not arguing. I'm not going to argue with that. I could still look and be judgmental and go, well, I think you're wrong for eating meat. And you can hopefully have the self-confidence to go, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I hope we can still be friends. And I may say, well, no, if you're going to eat meat, I'm not your friend. You're going to have to go, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. disappointed in that. And go your own way and do your thing. I mean, what a different world we would be in if that's how we approached these type of issues. It's an endless debate. It's an endless debate that often comes down to preference. It comes down to values and it comes to you understanding to the best that you can at this point in your life. You know, it's interesting with that, you know, it's, it's so, uh, I don't want to discount anybody, but looking at vegans, I'll pick on some vegans because I used to be one as well. And I'm not far off of being that anyways, but I've talked to so many vegans who don't eat meat and yet they have really nice leather couches or leather upholstery in their car, you know, or uh, the vegan, but they use makeup and pharmaceuticals that are tested on animals. Uh, it's interesting talking again to my niece, she's vegan, but she likes reptiles and snakes. And and she just did a presentation on that and talked about the anti-venom. So if you get bit by a, a poisonous snake, snake you're going to go get an anti-venom just to, to help you. And those are made by injecting the venom into horses primarily. And then extracting out the, I don't even know, the blood or something like that. And then they, they get that and do that. I'm thinking, well, gosh, do the horses like that? Does it help them? Is that humanely done? You know, it's so difficult to to claim a belief and not be hypocritical to some degree on that too. And I've found myself like okay, again, it makes me almost it makes me cautious to say what I believe and to make sure I'm not being hypocritical within my own beliefs. And I find that so often and I've been that. And again, the point is not that there are no core values. There are no absolute truths and anything goes. That's not the point. We're mainly looking at, can you really come to a place, a definitive place to such a degree that you can judge others if they don't line up, if you can claim right and wrong? I mean, overall, I, I, I've, I, I'm looking at the best I can figure out. I'm looking at the research. I'm looking at my own experience. I'm asking the experience and insight of others. And making the best decision based on what I can understand at this point. You know, I, for one, I am primarily, based on what I figured out, I'm going to make the primary staple of my diet vegetables and plant-based. I'm going to exercise daily. I'm going to seek quality sleep. I'm going to work at things I really care about, spend my days vocationally working at things that I care about. I'm going to pursue and devote to a spiritual life. I'm going to support institutions, you can think politics or whatever, that support my values as as I continually consider their current status and their leadership in regards to those values because I see those things change. I can't prove everything as a fact. Very few things as a fact. I have to be, I don't know if I have to be, but I want to be open to considering other views if I'm putting my own health and the health of others as the priority. Not my ego, not my identity, not my desire to belong, not my desire to be efficient. And I realize there's almost exceptions to everything. I can't prove everything as a fact, very few things as a fact. I have to be, I don't know if I have to be, but I want to be open to considering other views. If I'm putting my own health and the health of others as the priority, not my ego, not my identity, not my desire to belong, not my desire to be efficient, and I realize there's almost exceptions to everything. Dan Ariely said Ariely says in his book Misbelief that that beliefs we form beliefs, we solidify them, we defend them, and we spread them. I think it's incredibly dangerous. I think we're seeing that play out every day in the headlines, in the media, on social media, in our culture, in our interactions. That we have foreign beliefs, we solidify them, we defend them, and we spread them. As opposed to, here is my preference, here is my understanding, the best that I can through the knowledge I've gotten so far. And this is what I'm going to choose to take action on and live according to right now. These are my values. It's interesting. I mean, what leads us to adopting a set of beliefs for which there is little to no evidence. A lot of times we don't have the evidence. We have borrowed it from somebody else and we insist on the truth of those beliefs. This is, this is what Dan talked about. Even as they alienate us from our family and friends and cause us to live in a painful state of suspicion and mistrust. We see that so often. Now, again, I'm not saying that you only take the beliefs of things that, They don't make things happy and good and easy. Sometimes your most staunch beliefs may alienate you. Uh, But let's, let's, let's get honest with it. It's probably not a fact. It's something you prefer and just be confident with that. What am I choosing to put my faith in? So when you look at what, what beliefs can I have? Are there any left? Can I really have some beliefs that are okay I thought about that through this because I don't want to be just wishy washy and flaky and 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 whatever comes along. I want to know how to step my foot out of bed and what what, what direction to take as much as I can every day. But I thought about you know ultimately what I want to believe. I want to attach myself, and if we look at beliefs as attachments, things we are attaching ourselves to and embracing, which is dangerous. Uh, to some degree, I would say I don't want to attach to anything. But I, as I continue to, to study that, I think I don't I don't know if that's true. I want to attach the character qualities i want to attach to values that i see to serve people well and myself well it brought me back to the bible and the fruits of the spirit anybody's been to church you should have heard the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness self-control i'm okay with attaching to those And so saying, no matter what, I could take it the other side. Okay. When Kevin, is it okay to not express love? When's it okay to get rid of peace? When's it okay to not be patient, to not be kind, to not be generous, to not be faithful, to not be gentle, to not have self-control. When's that okay? I would say, gosh, it's never okay. I mean, I may fail, but when when would I, when would I consciously say, okay, in this case, it's okay not to have self-control. I never, never. Never, so I'm okay with attaching to that. Saying I believe those are beneficial. You know, does that mean I'm not open to discussing it? I guess we can. I I don't know. I, if you have a good reason to why it's sometimes good to not have self control, you know, maybe that is. Maybe there's a therapist that say, yeah, sometimes you need to let go and just be crazy and not have self control and let yourself come out of the box. Maybe so. I'm open to discussing that. Somebody can talk with me. When's it good to? To not is there a time when it's it's good not not to be kind? Man that one is hard for me to, to say that that's not a viable belief to be kind because I can be kind even when I give a boundary, even when I give a consequence. I've thought about virtues. And there are if you type in virtues, they you often come up with a list of seven virtues. This is the first definition. The seven capital virtues, also known as contrary or remedial virtues, are those opposite the seven deadly sins. And they are often enumerated as chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. Very aligned with fruits of the spirit as well. So those things, I want to be attached to those. I believe, I have a belief amongst those virtues, those values, those qualities. Crimes against humanity, man, I have some belief around that rape, torture, oppression. I just, you know, again, I could say, I, am I willing to discuss it? Sure. I seemed like it would be preposterous, but I guess so. I'm confident enough to discuss that, but I'm okay saying I have some beliefs around that How about laws of nature, gravity, How About breathing underwater, you know, for a kid to say, Hey dad, can I, you know, can I, uh, I don't believe in not being able to breathe underwater. All right. I'm like, I guess you could try it. I'm going to stay close by so I can yank you out, but you know, you can freeze to death. Um, you know, you get to get into dicey issues like abortion. And I, I have some feelings about that. I have some faiths about that. And yet the people who I hear arguing it, I find how many of them have actually been raped. How many of them have had a child that's been severely handicapped? Now, as soon as I say that, you're going to say, "Oh, so you think that if it might be handicapped, you should you should abort it?" Didn't say that. I have some compassion, though. I have some compassion for somebody who's raped. Okay, so what's my belief? I and this is where some people right now are going to write me off. If I don't say I have an absolute, it is unequivocable, right and wrong, black and white, then you are, uh, you know, a sinner. You're you're judged. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult one. And there you go. That belies it right there. If you're so wrapped up in the belief beyond the consideration of other people. And I do feel like if you take people on the polarized sides of abortion and talk about it, they both are very, very concerned and have a high value for life, for life of the baby, of the mom. It's a similar concern. They're looking at it in different ways, but to not be able to have some compassion and some understanding. And to take out judgment and to say, you know what, with what I understand, with what I have seen and experienced, um, with things I have put faith in, like religion, I am choosing this side. And that's the side I'm going to stay on. That's what I'm going to pursue for my own life. And I'm actually going to evangelize that uh, some and, and work to protect what I think is most beneficial for humanity. That's Okay. That's okay. It's when we get into judgment and screaming at somebody else, how is that valuing life when you are judging and vilifying another person? That's a life. Why is it any less valuable than somebody else's? Having grace for those who choose differently and not, not even label them. You know, we don't even say that. Oh, that's somebody who chooses differently. We say that's somebody who opposes. I mean, the words we use are so harsh so hardcore, so damaging. They don't oppose it, but they feel differently. They have a different faith. They have a different perspective. And I may even lament it and think, "Ah, I think it's going to kill them. I think they're harming themselves and others. Pains me. And they're a life that I can have compassion for and I can consider. Judgment is so much at the heart of this, right or wrong. There's another question. When is it okay to condemn somebody? Maybe there is. Maybe there is a serial killer. Maybe. I know a lot of people say, no, it's still a human. We don't condemn them. We are going to put them in prison so they don't keep doing that. And of course, some people say, hey, we're going to actually execute them. I'm not going to get into those, you know, those details uh, of, 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 of that, but uh, I get it still. When do we, in the average span of life, have a place to really judge and really condemn. I still come back to values. These are the things that I value. I want to know that that was the heart of my book. What drives you? I want people to know, to consider the aspects of spirituality and health and wellness and relationship and work and and money and to figure out what do I value me, not my family, not my upbringing, not my next door neighbor, not my group that I belong in, not my fraternity, not my, co-workers? What do I value? And most of the time, not most of the time, a lot of time, with the majority of people, they've never questioned it. They don't even know what they value. That's okay. But I think you would serve yourself and others better, serve your life better if you would consider what you value and have faith in those values and walk those out and take action on those without judging other people who choose differently you can even and i said the word evangelize you can go out and evangelize i mean i have people every day on this show who are evangelizing a way of life that they have found gives more life and that's great that's i'm going to continue having those people on the show and i'm going to do it without judging those who think differently but i'm going to espouse what i feel like gives most gives people more life i am Never going to. I don't think. I don't think you'll ever find me saying, "You know what, guys? I think what's best is to work at something that you dread." I really think that's best. I think that will make you the most money and give you the most joy and serve planet Earth. Is to work at uh, something that you detest all day long. I doubt I'll be saying that. I have found in my experience with my own life, with my family, with my friends, with humanity, I have found the most benefit to everyone coming. When people are working at something they care about and they have some joy in. And due to that, I'm going to evangelize that overall. Not going to say it's a belief or it's a right or wrong, or uh, you're condemned if you don't do that. But overall, I've found that that seems to produce the most benefit. And so I'm going to espouse that same thing with vegetables and eating whole foods. I'm going to keep doing that, but I'm toning down my belief and my judgment condemnation And when I look at beliefs and to consider, if you look right now and look at the things you believe, if you look back at yourself five years from five years ago, 10 years ago, and say, what were my list of beliefs? And to think, have they ever changed? Now, one, if you said, you know what? Nope, haven't changed a bit. I'm going to consider that maybe you haven't experienced much. You've been in a very narrow environment. Or you've worked so hard to hold on to your beliefs, regardless of strife and bitterness. And to what my brother said, Jared said in in episode three, how's how's the fruit of that working out for you? Expecting most of you like me would look back and go, yeah, I've experienced shifts and evolutions in my beliefs. Um, Consider that in five or 10 years from now, what beliefs do you have now that are going to have changed or shifted or evolved? And if you can accept that, you should have grace for your current, quote, beliefs, being things that you have put faith in, that you understand, that you're choosing, deciding upon today based on the best that you know. Chosen to put faith in, again, with that knowledge and experience and research and understanding as much as you currently have. And every day you'll be open to new information Cause there's some areas where I would say, I'm not going to sit here and say, gosh, we should all be seeking as much new information uh, every day as we can. I mean, there's some areas, you know, with health and wellness, I'm seeking some, but especially if I'm not suffering, I'm kind of feeling good with it. I, I'm not seeking a bunch of information, but I'm open And when I have the next person on the show who showcases something else. Well, like when I had Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and she's talking about muscle, I heard that and it's changing my perspective. Uh, I would rather just do cardio stuff, running and riding, and not do resistance training. And listening to her, oh, I'm convicted for myself that there's value in consistent resistance training, so I'm going to do it. I did it today. Did a big shoulder workout today. Uh, I would rather just run, but I did that, and I'm open to what I know, to new information. How's that? Every day, I'm open to new information Uh, and often I will be seeking out and testing new things because what I believe in most is the pursuit of what is good and beneficial and helpful for myself and others. I want to be committed to goodness and wellness above my own security and my own fears, my own ego, my own doubts. I want to be attached to values and virtues above the current labels and methodologies that I currently understand. And at the end of this, folks, I thought I want to be attached if I'm gonna be attached to anything, it's the love. And I know that's a word that's so used and that I think we need to do I need to do more content on that because I I don't know if it holds that much weight anymore. You hear it so much. Oh, I'm all about love. What does that even mean? But if I'm gonna look at love as I understand it, as I perceive it, I want to be attached to that love of myself, always more love for myself, actual love for myself, and from that love for others. For me, love of God. I mean, the everything everything that I do is a result of, if, if everything I did was a result of an attachment to love as my primary faith, I think things will work out better for me. I want to adopt that. And if you can adopt that, man, you've got my utmost respect out of the belief and judgment and fact, black and white, right or wrong. Man, if you can adopt that, I'm going to view you as wise, enlightened, if you will, saintly even. This is what I'm working to adopt in my life, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. All right. Well, thank you to Dan Ariely and the message from him and that he has in his new book, Misbelief. What makes rational people believe irrational things? Man, I, I just love the tagline because I think of myself as rational and yet I have believed irrational things and I'm concerned that I still am. That's why I'm working on it, why I'm studying his book. Uh, you can find that, of course, anywhere you buy books. Just type in misbelief. Uh, thanks to my brother, Jared Angaza, for joining me in episode three to, to discuss this. We have got down some roads that I wouldn't have come up with myself that are part of this episode as well. And as always, if you appreciate this show. We'd love a rating and a review on Spotify, Apple podcast. Uh, it is just, it it almost feels like every hour at this point where we get comments on YouTube, new subscribers and comments. And it, again, it's so cool because if you leave a comment about a show that's posted on YouTube, I can respond to you and I can't do that. in all the other platforms, Uh, You can find me there at KevinMiller.co. That's where you can find us on other social media where we got all the uh, reels and clips posted Course, you can pursue mastering your own inner drive by getting my book, What Drives You, on Amazon in any form you want. If you get the audio, you can hear me talking about five hours, I think, is what it is. Uh, it was a lot of fun and people have said they really enjoy that because my inflection goes on that. I wrote it to my stories, and that was fun to do that. Friends, until next time, stay driven. Yeah.